Today on Dr. G Engaging Minds. During challenging times, it's easy to slip into habits that can lead to addiction. Emotional eating can become overwhelming and unmanageable when trying to cope with stress. And I never replaced the food. I just had to replace the urge with, oh my God, I have to sit here and feel this grief that I didn't get what I wanted as a child. I didn't get the job I want, whatever it is. The former queen of mean, Lisa Lampanelli, shares how she manages her food challenges and maintains her dramatic weight loss of over 100 pounds. Take your time, go slow, eat small amounts. See how it feels to not have to deprive yourself all the time. We'll find out why Lisa made the choice to change her life and how she thrives during tough times through self-love. Dr. G and welcome to Engaging Minds. Our guest is Lisa Lampanelli. She's a Grammy award-winning comedian, a storyteller, a performer, and an inspiration to millions of people. So Lisa, I want to welcome you to the show. Well, you know, I would love to go with the Grammy winning, but I actually- Oh, Grammy just, award no, That's nominated. okay. I was, I was nominated twice, so that counts as a win in my book. Well, that works for me. Yes. <laughs> you got a show coming up. Tell us all about it. Yeah, you probably know about two years ago, I retired from doing stand-up comedy and insult comedy. I just felt like it wasn't joyful for me anymore. It wasn't doing it for me. So I figured I'd quit before I quit me. So I decided to do a show where I literally had gotten trained as a very half-assed life coach. Like I literally realized I'm terrible at it, but I'm great at giving advice. So I'm doing a show where it's me being interviewed by another comedian about my journey with food and weight loss and retirement and changing my life. And then I do some half-assed coaching with the audience. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. So yeah, well, I'm doing that April 24th live streaming. And um, of course, since I'm a shameless uh, publicity hound, <laughs> go to lisalampanelli.com for tickets because I like to make money. Yes. But one of the things I was thinking about, Lisa, is a couple a couple years ago on my radio show, Engaging Minds on uh, 7.90 AM, we uh, actually had an interview. And in that interview, you talked about your transformation, your major weight loss transformation. And one of the things that you said to me that I found very inspirational, very touching, is you said there was a moment of change. So I'm wondering if you could share that moment with our audience. Yeah, you know, I think anyone who gets weight loss surgery does anything that extreme, it's sort of a buildup, but then there's that one thing where you go, okay, that's A it. tipping point, right, that sends you over the edge, right? Right, so for years and years, I had gotten sick of all the fat phobia out there. I got sick of all the insults. I got sick of, you know, not having as much energy as I sh could have had. And I went to see this bariatric surgeon that was recommended to me. And he did say to me, how many 70 year olds do you see alive at your weight? And I'm like, well, not many, and if they are, they're not doing that well physically, meaning getting around, mobility, et cetera. So I was like, you know what? I'm practically there anyway, let's do this thing. Yeah, you know what I find so interesting? You know, I said, I've worked as a bariatric psychologist for years, and especially around the bariatrics, I'm thinking of a client I'm dealing with right now. There is such a love relationship with food that the mm -hmm. thought of 
you know, losing a certain food. Like she'll say to me, you know, I won't be able to drink soda. And I'll say, I understand, but you'll be dead if you don't stop this. Well, food. you want to know though, there is that rebel in us that wants what we want. So I'm not supposed to drink soda. Look what I have. I know, I tell her that too all the time. You know, in know. a lot of cases, get adjusted, yeah. Don't do it if you're not ready to get therapy about it because it's a big change. And it's also just where do your feelings go if they're not going into food? Point being, you just have to feel your feelings, but that's the hardest thing to do in the world. Like Jim Carrey, I, I was friendly with him for a little while and he called it the United States of avoidance. We'll do anything <laughs> except feel. And with COVID and with me not having food to go to, and I didn't want to do a lot of shopping because I didn't want to transfer addictions. I've never liked to drink, so that wasn't an issue. I've never liked drugs. I'm like, wow. I have to sit here and feel sad. What's that experience like? I mean, it sounds like it's easy, but if you were telling our- no, It's the hardest thing to do and everyone will do anything to avoid sitting still, <laughs> crying, feeling the feelings, and then you do it. You never cry. Nobody died, ever died from crying themselves to death. You never like dried up because you cried too many tears. So I think we all are afraid if we start crying, we'll never stop. And you always stop. That's what I tell, again, tell patients all the time, that the emotions will leave. You know, they're flighting. They feel like they're going to destroy you. They feel like they might kill you, but actually they won't. Right. And it is also about letting go of that best relationship with food. Yeah. So, you know, finding something that you could replace it with, a passion in your life. Like you're doing this transformation, this new kind of experience on stage, that's gotta be really exciting for you, so. Yeah, but it does not replace food. I will say there will never be a love of my life other than food. Because How does that feel to say that? It's, it's just the truth. And I think yeah. everyone who is, I don't even call a food addict because I don't think you can get addicted to something that's necessary in life. I think you can overuse it. So I think it's basically where you go, okay, I have this primal relationship with food since I'm less than one years old. One minute old, right. you already want food. That's why it's so hard to conquer. And I never replaced the food. I just had to replace the urge with, oh my God, I have to sit here and feel this grief that I didn't get what I wanted as a child. I didn't get the job I want, whatever it is. It all comes down to really dealing with emotions and feelings, and that's so difficult for an addict. With food addiction, I think a lot of times, uh, and there is a controversy in the field whether there is a, the concept of addiction, but I find that, you know, it's it's about the sugar, the salt, the fat. It's about being uncontrollable mm. with food. I've worked a lot with addicts in drug and alcohol rehab, and I can see the correlation so yeah. easily. Like, they've just taken food and replaced it with that. So you have to actually get a healthy relationship with food. And you know what's great about that? If you do that with yourself, Personally, I think it spills out into other parts of your life, but you've got to be willing to abandon yourself. Yeah, and I think you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable because we're so addicted to feeling comfortable all the time. Like if you don't have this oh, like in a second, you then you're, you don't, the, dis, the, the growth in discomfort is huge. And I mess up 50 times a day and it's just uncomfortable and I'll maybe win once out of five times with food. And I'm like, okay, well, at least it was once.
But, you know, this is 10 years later. It's still a learning curve. It's all a process and we're all yeah. processing through. We're all stumbling through it, including myself. But we can support each other. And if we're gentle on ourselves and not beat ourselves up, we'll probably have more success. I think it's 100% self-forgiveness. Self-forgiveness. Because, um, okay, today I'll give you an exact example. I, I find a lot of types of food hard to tolerate, but I'm like, I don't care because I'm going to eat them because I like them. Yeah. So, Today I met, I, I went, I had a run and see use the restroom at a rest area. I see a, one of those pretzel places. <laughs> I love those joints. So I get the thing. Oh, devour it. It was definitely three bites too many. And I paid for it on the way home. And I said, okay. So I have to look at that, not beat myself up, not be like, what a pig, what an animal. No, what a flawed, imperfect human being like everyone else. I may do better next time, I may not. So Yeah, and you also can use it as an opportunity to understand a little bit more about yourself instead of beating yourself up. Oh yeah. Yeah, gain some insight. So again, Lisa, about the show. Thank you. It's April 24th, live stream. Go to lisalampanelli.com. It is basically, it's a show called shut, Sit Down and Shut Up. I love the title. Yeah, it's because I'm sitting <laughs> it reminds there. me of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I'm sitting there. It has many meanings, many levels, that title. And um, it's me sitting down having a conversation about all these issues in a funny way. And a lot of the stories are really funny because, you know, if we don't laugh at this stuff, we, we die. So I've always made a good living as far as happiness when I'm giving, making a point, but making it funny. So hopefully people will come and check it out. Up next, the experience. Dr. G turns the tables on Lisa. I'm gonna tell you a joke. Oh God. We'll see what happens with that coming up. So Lisa, I want, I do this segment that I call the experience. One of the reasons I do it is I've had patients over the years say to me that, you know, it's easy to give advice. It's hard to feel like a fool. It's hard to take risks in your life. It's hard to experience those feelings. Right. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and have an experience too. So I have been taught how to play guitar when I can't. I've been given acting lessons. So I'm going to do something that makes me a little anxious and I'm going to take a little risk. I'm going to tell you a joke. Oh God. Okay. So am I allowed to help you? Yes, I want you to help me coach me like you were telling me. I want you to feel free to do whatever you want. Yes, because everyone thinks they're funny and pretty much nobody is. So <laughs> let's see what you got, babe. I'll help you out. Okay, so a little background. I grew up with old world European Jewish parents. And uh, we listened to all the Borscht Belt, Catskills, comedians, uh, you know, the the Alan Kings, Buddy Hackett. So I remembered from my childhood, and I looked it up and found it, a Buddy Hackett joke. Ah, good. One of my heroes. I loved him. So yeah. I'm going to do my best. Okay. okay. Okay, here we go. Okay. A man walks into a doctor's office. It's called, oh, I don't remember what it's called. You know, because I was going to do a different joke, and this is not that joke. Okay. A man goes into a doctor's office and says, Doctor, is there anything I could do to fix my voice? And the doctor examines him and he says, I have discovered the source of your problem. Down there, you have four whatchamacallits instead of two. And that's what's causing you to be a beast in bed, but it's also affecting your voice. 
So the man says, is there anything I could do about it? And the doctor says, yes, we could do surgery and remove two of your whatchamacallits. And the man says, let's do it. So the man does it and about a year later, he comes back into the doctor's office and he says, doctor, my voice is great, but I think I want to go back to the way it was. And the doctor says, I'm sorry, that's impossible to do. That's okay, like first of all, I don't even think I understand the joke. <laughs> Did he sew them on himself? Yes. Okay, why would the doctor do that? It's a dumb joke. Okay, I'm just telling you. Yeah. Hey, but what do you find funny about it? That the doctor would sew them on himself. Right, but do you, does this, the joke doesn't even make sense, but this is not your fault. <laughs> Poor Buddy Hackett had a brain fart. No one understands this joke. It's dumb. Okay. okay. All right. First of all, I would say, as a <laughs> professional, uh, I would give you uh, a four out of 10. That's not bad. Okay. Actually, you know, you told it, you remembered it. Okay. It's funny at the beginning, you went on a tangent. It's named this. Wait, it doesn't have a name. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, if you make a mistake, keep going. It's like life. Okay. In your head, you go, you know, I was going to name that thing, but I didn't. So you just keep going. Just keep barreling through. Because okay. on stage, as a comic. It's like in life. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just a lesson for us. Is like, you know what? We just got to keep going. So don't okay. look back, honey. Okay. The other thing was, it makes zero sense to use <laughs> that voice. And I'll tell you why. Balls make your voice deep. So why wouldn't the voice be, Doctor, I can't, Because big nuts and multiple ones make the voice deep. Why is this voice high? Again, I blame Buddy Hackett. There was a duck joke and I ended up with this joke, but that's uh, why I got- Hey, listen, I forgive you for torturing me with this joke. <laughs> I forgive Buddy Hackett for writing a joke that makes no sense. And I do though, enjoy the fact that you smiled throughout, you sold it, you didn't look down at your notes more than once, you were in it. And that's literally, if you're not having fun, they're not having fun. In comedy, you could tell the dumbest jokes, which I have done. And just cause you're having a blast, that audience goes with you. So you were having fun doing it. You didn't look nervous. You were like, yeah, I'm slick. It all worked out. So this means I don't hate you. How's that? Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I love the lesson in life here too. You know what? Just go for it. Even yeah. if it doesn't make sense. And you know what? To tell you the truth, as I was going through the joke again, out loud, I was actually having that thought like, I'm not sure this makes sense, but I was already so into the joke, I couldn't really stop. Well, you wanna know what's interesting? If that had been me as a comic, yeah, I think some of the funnest stuff happens by accident and you're so free on stage that you're like, wait a minute, why do you just use a high voice for a guy with four knots? Shouldn't have been. So the audience would love to see that. So again, another lesson of life. People love flaws because they've got them too. I always said, if I make a mistake on stage, it doesn't matter because they just go with it and it doesn't matter because they go, oh, we're alike now. We're all the same. So what I'll have to do is I'll have to one day find a different joke. Yes. And I'm going to have to have you back on and see if I could raise my score up to a four. But to tell you the truth, it really doesn't matter. I think the most important thing that I got out of it is that I was willing to go through with it. 
I agree. And you know what? Fear holds so many people back from trying new things, including me. I like what I like, and I have to stop being that person. So me and you, in the coming year, we're going to freaking try some new stuff. I can't wait. Lisa, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, best of luck with your show. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Next, our hero in sobriety, how Kelsey Marrera uses cookie dough to make others happy. Dr. G Engaging Minds is brought to you by Darenot Health. Today's hero is Kelsey Morera, an inspiring entrepreneur who overcame alcohol dependency at a young age and found happiness and purpose in cookie dough. Hey, I'm Kelsey Morera, and I am passionate about making people happy with desserts. So my journey to cookie dough uh, didn't always start in food. I actually started working in high tech when I was just 16 years old, got an opportunity to be an intern and it was a pretty quick jump from you know being a kid to being an adult. And with that came lots of stress and anxiety. Um, I loved what I was learning, loved what I was doing, but um, had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol develop over the years and really leaned on that to deal with the stress and, and realized that I had a problem and um, you know wasn't able to keep alcohol in my life. So I got sober in 2015 and my life just blossomed. I started baking every day. Time was flying by when I was in the kitchen, so I started bringing in some baked goods into the office and, you know, slowly but surely it's like, you should sell this stuff. Like, this is really good, you know, these nudges. And um, so I did. I was eating really healthy and through that time was attempting to be a vegan, but I love butter way too much. So I was baking uh, with butter, but no eggs. And so my cookie dough was safe to eat raw, but also bakeable into cookies. And that idea just struck. I thought, my gosh, like everyone else loves cookie dough. Why do we eat this like alone in our kitchen? Here I am four years later and we've served more than 350,000 spoon lickers as we call our customers, um, some of this amazing cookie dough. Best of all, thanks to my journey into sobriety, You know, we've made the company's entire focus around mental health and addiction recovery. We have a really robust mental health policy. This includes mental health care subsidies, whether that's a float spa, a massage, or therapy, whatever it is you need for some self-care. We also have mental health days. Uh, No questions asked, stay off when you need it, no financial penalty. That's the kind of workspace that I wanna create, somewhere where people feel like they can really be themselves. community. We have the Dope for Hope pledge on our website. We do mental health Mondays on our Instagram. So you can find a little dose of uh, dose of hope on a Monday morning if you follow us on social media. And then lastly, uh, financial impact. You know, how can this company, we sell cookie dough, but it's all just an engine to be able to fuel more good. So um, we donate a portion of every single purchase to a nonprofit that supports mental health or addiction recovery. And for 2021, we've partnered with She Recovers Foundation. They are an incredible nonprofit providing life-saving resources and community for women that are in or seeking recovery. 
absolutely did find my happy place right here in the kitchen. To anybody else that's out there that's looking for their happy place and what they can find, I just recommend that you try it all. When I first got sober, I was baking, I was trying to do a little gardening, I was horrible at it, I did pottery, painting, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, and it was really this rediscovery of what makes me me? What do I feel alive doing? And um, just keep searching until you find that thing that, where you feel that fire and that excitement to, to get up and do it again the next day. challenge everybody out there to evaluate how life's going, you know, really take inventory of how you're feeling day to day, how your routines are going and what you may be leaning on that isn't adding value to your life and don't be afraid to cut it out. It's never too late to make a change. I want to thank everyone for joining me today with Lisa Lampanelli. I hope what we discovered offers you and your loved ones hope, insight, and courage. What I've learned today is be nice to yourself and then you can be nice to the rest of the world. Find out more about Dr. G Engaging Minds by visiting our website and social media.